us in worship. Oh, man. Uh, it's already been a great Sunday. Thank you for coming out. Uh, we've been doing this series called The Giver for several weeks now, and we've largely been following the life and the trajectory of Abraham. And today we're going to reach the finale of this portion of the series, and then we'll kind of move into the Christmas point uh, next week. And so I hope that you guys um, are ready uh, for the conclusion. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the story of Abraham and maybe you haven't got to be here for the last several weeks, essentially summary is that God called Abraham out of the middle of nowhere. And I think that all of us can say there's, there's been a time where we were far from God and God was always looking for us before we were ever looking for him. And he, he called him and, and then he said, I'm going to give you a promise. And that promise was going to be Isaac. And that was going to be a son, a son that... Uh, was impossible. It was impossible for Abraham to have a son. His wife was barren. And, and then they walked for 25 years before he received that promise. And last week we learned that after he received him and now he's grown up and he's probably 16 to 18 years old, God asked for Abraham to give that son back and to offer him as a sacrifice. And today we're going to hear what happened on the mountain. And so uh, before we get started, I just, I just want you to know the title of this morning's message is it will be provided, and you'll figure out that at the end of the message. But I want to give you a, a quick story of when Carrie and I were young marrieds. Um, and so we got married. I was 22. She was 20. And uh, we finished up school, and we were going to this church in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. And, and um, I was going to be their student pastor and um, actually wanted me to be their interim pastor. And I was like, no. Um, and anyway... Uh, so whenever you went to town, okay, if anybody grew up in small town uh, places, you had to drive an hour uh, to go to town, and that was Texarkana, okay? And um, we were needing to purchase our first washer and dryer, so this was going to be our, our first big purchase. And this is, you know, way back when, and so uh, I did not understand uh, how things worked, that you had to have uh, credit. So I didn't have bad credit. What's worse than bad credit? No credit. All right, man, y'all know, y'all know how things are going. And so we went down to the store and like we found this washer and dryer. And then I was like, you know, what, what are we going to do? I, just, I knew that we were going to finance it. We didn't have $1,500. We were young and broke. And so, um, so we got to the counter and the guy's like, oh, well, we got to run your credit. And I was like, oh, I, I don't have any credit. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, you know, we don't, we don't do anything else. And I, I looked at Carrie and I was like, well, and so we've driven an hour in my truck, you know, to come down here. And now we've got to make the hour drive back in sadness, right? I'm sure we went and got something to eat and then we just like drove home. He's like, well, I'm sorry, babe, you know, no washer and dryer for us. And so get out there and hand wash it. Anyway, um, and so, so we get back home and the next day, we go out to our mailbox and we check the mail. And I had preached a revival uh, down at this church in South Texas, uh, it's a little town called Kirby, um, way over there. And um, this couple said that they had felt led uh, to bless us. And the next day, there's a check in my mailbox. Now, just so all the young people in here understand, like they didn't have Venmo back in the day, <laughs> all right? This is, this is before people even texted one another, okay? And so if you wanted to send somebody money, you just had to send in the mail. And then you just sent money off and you hoped it arrived. And so anyway, uh, $1,500 check in my mailbox the next day. Now, 
I want you to think about this, though. Think about this. Um, we were in the store, and we couldn't prov provide for ourselves, right? But in theory, the check was already what? On the way. God had already provided what we needed, even though we didn't know that God had provided. I want you to think about that today, that God already knows what it is that you need. And if you will walk with him long enough, that you will get to the place that he can provide the very thing that you needed. Some of you need to hear this morning, it's already on the way. I promise you the thing that you need to fix you, it's already on the way. The thing that you need to put it together, the thing you need to make it to, to make it to the next site, um, trust me, it's already on the way. And if you'll listen to today's message and how much Abraham learned to believe in God and how God ultimately has delivered us, then I think that that will encourage you to learn to walk long enough so that you develop trust. The reason why many of us haven't developed that trust is because every time things get hard or we get distracted or sin is tempting us, we quit walking. And then as a result, our trust never grows to the place that we could ultimately worship God the way that he intends for us to do. So today, maybe it'll be a challenge for you to learn, like, what is it that I need to do? What, how do I need to learn to walk better? And so it says that Abraham took the wood. Now remember, their servants have been on a three-day journey, and God told him to do this. And the next day he got up, he chopped the wood, and now they've carried it three days with two servants and they've left them at the bottom of the mountain and they're walking up the mountain. That's where we're at. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now, I don't want to stop here too long, but um, if you don't see the symbolism, it's pretty stark, right? That Abraham's only begotten son is carrying the wood up the mountain to be sacrificed. Is everybody, everybody following along? Like God is painting the picture of the gospel all throughout the Old Testament. It says, and as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. And he said, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. First point, are we missing something? Did you notice that? That, that Isaac is sitting there and they're walking up the mountain and they've, they've done this before as far as built an altar and they've worshiped. Isaac is familiar with the components that it takes in order to worship God. How great is it that Abraham is such a good father that his son is so familiar with worship that he knew when something was missing? And I started thinking about that, and I thought that was a good thing for us to introspect on today, is that do you know when something is missing? Do you know what it is whenever you are missing something? Whenever we go through these seasons, right, where... Let's just say that things aren't going really well whenever we start getting in these funks, right? Uh, so that you, there's three stages. There's blah, 
okay? You get into a blah mood. Does anybody know what a blah mood is, right? And, and that's like you're just like, uh, you know, I, that's the teenager every day, right? Uh, and so blahs, but if you have too many blahs, that turns into a funk, okay? And then after you have a funk for so long, that's depression, okay? And so that's the three levels. That's uh, very clinical. And so anyway, whenever you get into these places where you don't have happiness, you don't have joy, you don't have contentment in life, if you haven't had a walk that included worship along the way, then you're sitting around trying to think, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel the way that I should feel? If I have a relationship with God, I should feel like that, right? But it's because you haven't maintained your relationship with God. You've gotten so much distance between you and God that you don't know what it is that you're missing. And might I suggest that just like Isaac was able to figure it out, you might be missing the Lamb of God. That's, that's what you might be missing in your life today. It's like, what do you need more of? You need more of Jesus in your life. And so uh, we need to contemplate this morning, what is it that we might be missing? And then it says that Abraham's response was pretty amazing, right? God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. It says, then the two of them went on together. I want us to, to kind of notice that the Bible says that can two walk together unless they are in agreement? And that, that really, the, the tenor of that text really means that they're in the same direction. How can we walk together if we're not heading in the same direction? If you are facing that way and I am facing this way, it's impossible for us to walk together. So the fact that Abraham and Isaac can continue walking up the mountain and walk together, they had to be on the same page. They had to be in the same direction. They had to have the same belief. And what is that belief? Their predication of their continuation of their walk was that God could provide. Sometimes all you have left, sometimes all you have to hold on to is that God can provide. I'm telling you, sometimes you'll go through like a dark season and you're like, I don't know what to do. I want to encourage you, keep walking because if you are in agreement, especially let's say, you know, let's just say spitballing every 10 years, you get into a fight with your spouse, right? And most of us, that's what the range is, okay? Normally it's only one per decade of like a really strong disagreement. But let's just say that you had a string of those disagreements where the blah went to a funk and then the funk kind of was getting into a uh, uh, relationship depression <laughs> where there's no intimacy, there's no love, there's no hugs, there's no kisses. You know, it just starts to kind of be, ooh. And, well, how can you get out of that, right? I'm going to encourage you that you have to get into agreement, right? Because the Bible says that when the two should come together, they become one. And that oneness means that there's agreement. And if you could find agreement, I promise you, you could walk through the fire. You can walk through the darkness and you could get to the other side because you both were in agreement that God can provide. God can provide the mercy. God can provide the forgiveness. God can give you new eyes to look at them through a different lens than just their worst mistakes. You see, God is able to provide for the things that we need the most. And so I would encourage you, if you're ever feeling that disconnect, that you would evaluate are we in agreement? Are we in agreement? Are we walking the way that God wants us to walk? 
Because that intimacy and that affection can return. It can resurrect. It can revive if you will come into agreement. It says that when they reached the place that God had told him about, now that's, that's kind of important. Um, yeah, we're going to see that in just a moment. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And in our first series, we had talked about circling back, right? It said that Abraham went down to Egypt and there was some crazy stuff. As a matter of fact, you could draw a parallel if you wanted to between Egypt and the way that we look at Vegas, right? It's like, you know, people say, what, what happens in Vegas? I'm ashamed that you know that. <laughs> Abraham was like, what happens in Egypt stays in Egypt. But it didn't. It didn't. It came home with him. Anyway, and they they had a mistake there. They picked up Hagar and then, you know, Ishmael was going to come out of that mistake. And, and it says that when he circled back, he built an altar at Bethel. And I just wanted you to see that there's a pattern of worshiping his way forward as he walks, that it's the altar that I build today and I offer my offering to God. I offer my worship to God. I offer my prayers to God. It's the offering that I build today that gets me to my to Moriah tomorrow, to the mountaintop tomorrow. And so I just encourage you that, that this is a kinetic process in which it chains together. And that if you would say yes to God today, say yes to God tomorrow, then eventually you will make it to the mountaintop. It says that when he got there, he arranged the wood on it and he bound his son Isaac. Now, this is emotional, right? Like, this, this is getting crazy. And sometimes, um, I don't know if you ever were, were back in the day and, like, uh, you know, there was some movies that were made about this. Uh, Footloose, one of them, where they, they played a game of chicken where they're, like, driving tractors at each other. Does anybody remember this scene, you know? And, like, um, you know, someone's got to blink, right? And, and sometimes I think when we're walking with God, there's this, there's this heightening tension, of, of God is like, okay, are you going to, are you going to, you going to, you going to keep going? And Abraham is just plowing through what would have been impossible for most of us. Let's just be honest. Like, right. Like I don't have the faith of Abraham. I want to have the faith of Abraham, but I do not have the faith of Abraham. And he's building this altar and he puts his son on it and says, he laid him on the altar and on top of the wood. And he reached out with his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And what was his reply? Here I am, he replied. Now, last week we said when God called Abraham to go sacrifice his son, it says that he got up the next morning and he chopped wood. And whenever God had called his name, he said this exact same phrase. Here I am, right? And so I thought we could extrapolate on this that our mentality towards God, he said, here I am in the valley, and now he's saying, here I am on the mountaintop. I think a lot of times, whenever we are in the position of receiving, we are like, here I am, you know? It's like a person who really likes to eat, and you say, does anybody want seconds? And what do they say? Here I am, I'll take, I'll take seconds, I'll take seconds. They get excited, right? And if I was like, I'm handing out PS5s today, people are like, here I am, you know? They never shouted out in church before, but you say the right thing, and they'd be like, yes, Brother Tim, Pastor Tim, amen. You know, they get religious. And so anyway, I just wonder, whenever he calls us in the valley, right, 
Whenever we're in the position now, he's received the promise after walking 25 years, and he says, here I am. But are we willing to say, here I am on the mountaintop when it's time to give it back, when it's time to sacrifice? You see, I believe that open hearts lead to open hands. And whenever we have an open heart towards God, we're willing to give back, right? God pours out his unconditional love, unmerited favor, fills us up with the grace that he has, the mercy that he has. And do we give that back? Do we give that back? Do we give the same affection back to God? Do we give it out to those that are around us? And I think sometimes our hands are closed. Instead of having open hands, we have closed hands and we hold on. This is what's bizarre. This is how messed up we are. We hold on to the things that hurt us. Tell me if this isn't true. I want you to think about it. Do you hold on to anything that continually hurts you? Like, let's just think about emotions that are unhealthy. Anger. Some of you, the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And yesterday, you were angry with your spouse. And guess what? You walked in here today angry. And guess what? The Lord, he provided a sermon to me that it would come right to you. And now your spouse give you that little elbow inside the church. It's like, do you hear what he's saying? You hear what he's saying? Whenever you hold on to anger, how does that help you? Precisely, how does that help you? When you're angry with those people that you work with, because they're idiots, okay? How does that help you? When you're angry with your neighbors that live around you, because they always park, you know, they don't park on their place, you know, like there's like straight, they park over here. Like who parks in front of someone else's house? Am I right? Is that like etiquette, right? No, I'm not saying sometimes. I'm just saying not all the time, right? Anyway, I digress. I'm not talking about anything personal. I just want you to start thinking about, are you holding on to things? Like whenever you've been hurt in your past, all of us have wounds, right? And oftentimes scars. But if you hold on to that your whole life, you're empowering the pain of your past. At some juncture, wouldn't it be better to promote healing, to let go of that, to open your hand up and say, God, I'm putting this on the altar. Instead of defining myself by these hurts, or these mistakes, I'm going to define myself by the grace that you've given to me. You see, whenever we have closed hands, it's impossible for God to bless us. It's impossible. God says, I want you to have an open heart. I want you to have open hands. And Abraham demonstrates this, that he does not withhold even his only begotten son. And so today, I don't know who I'm talking to in this room, but I'm just going to say you would be so much better off, so much better off if you would learn to let it go. And it's not even about just letting go of bad things. It's also having just a spirit of generosity. Some of you are so stingy. You're so stingy. You won't give your time. You won't give your money. You're like, no, mine, hoarder, 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 mine, more. Like, I just don't think that's the way that God is. And so I challenge you to read the Bible and found where, find where, Anywhere, at any given point in the Bible where God was not a giver, God was a giver. You know what the title of this series is? The Giver, you know? And maybe, maybe you should ask yourself, like, are you a giver or are you a taker? Hmm, I'm just going to let that there. Now, 
said, he heard this voice, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. He says, now I know, right? Because you have not withheld. Man, God has a litmus test for different levels of faith. And that litmus test is, what are you willing to sacrifice on the altar? God said, now I know because you have not withheld. Man, I cannot imagine what God might be calling us to give in here this morning, that he might be calling us to give something that would be so hard for us to give. Like we've held on to this grudge for so long that it would be, we couldn't even define ourselves anymore if we didn't have this hatred towards so-and-so in our lives. And God is saying to Abraham, now I know because of what you gave. And so I want you to think about that. Like what level are you living at when it comes to what is off limits to God? You know, sometimes in our houses, we have these places, right? That are off limits to other people, right? Does anybody have that room, that closet? You know, like if someone walked in it, you'd be like, oh, you know, like things would fall out because you got them crammed up in there. My, 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 my blessed wife, she, there's not a place that she can't store. I feel like Christmas stuff, right? In the off sea. Anyway, I'm just saying that like no one's allowed to go. We have a, a fishing room where I have all my fishing junk, which oddly other people's stuff have, I get one room in the whole house and now it's like a catch all for other people. Anyway, I'm not, let's not get into my stuff here today. I'm just saying that we have these places that are off limits and I, I think sometimes that's representative of our hearts towards God. We're like, God, you can have all of this. Just don't ask me for that. God, you can have, oh, but don't ask me. Like, God, you're off limits. And we like try to hold him out of the areas that we need the most work. Think about that. Most of the time, you have an area of temptation. And you're not tempted like other people are and all this other stuff. As a matter of fact, you might even in your hubris like say, like, I just don't understand how people could ever sin like that. And they're looking at your life and they're like, I don't know how anybody can sin like that. But it's amazing how we have an area. And it's, we'll put everything on the altar, but we still want to hold on to this one thing. This one thing that keeps on tempting us. This one thing that keeps on pulling us down and dragging us back to bad habits. I just want to encourage you that you might have an open hand, even with that, and put it on the altar it says that God said, now I know, Abraham. And I think that on a very high spiritual level, you have to understand that no one, ever, no one else in the Bible was ever asked to give their only son. This doesn't exist. So this level is rarefied air. And I think that God oftentimes is calling us all. We don't all have the call to sacrifice our son or whatever, believe at that level. But I think that some level we have to understand that it's meant to be a progression. And I hope today that, that you are progressing in your faith, growing in your faith, desiring to give more to God. The Bible says that we are to love him with what? All of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And so I hope today that you are all in on what you are willing to give God. It says, verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. Now I want you... Go with me here, okay? This is a mountain range called Moriah. 
And just like any mountain range, there's multiple mountains, right? And God had told him to go, and when you get to this mountain range of Moriah, I'll tell you the specific one. And so they walk up, and he puts his son on the altar, and then he raises his hand, and God's like, no. And he says, now, check it out. There's a ram caught over here in the thicket. A ram is a male sheep, by the way. I know that we don't have a lot of farmers in here, okay? And so a male sheep is caught. Now, how many mountaintops do you think, just randomly that day, how many mountain, different mountaintops do you think there was a ram caught in the thicket? So think about that, right? Probably not any, right? That's pretty random. And so how important was it for Abraham to be exactly where God wanted him to be? Because as he was walking up the mountain, God was already providing. It was like the ram was already on the way, right? Before Abraham ever arrived at the place of sacrifice, what he needed to sacrifice was already provided, even though he didn't know it was going to be provided. And I just started thinking about that. How great is it that God is able to provide for us even when we have no idea how he's going to do it? We have to learn to trust that he's going to do it every single time. So this morning, I don't know what you walked in in her needing, but I'm telling you, it's already provided in Christ. So anyway, it says he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And you should really be thankful that there's a verse that says instead of. Hmm. So Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh or the Lord will provide. Abraham named the mountain. The Lord will provide. And then a saying was developed. And to this day it said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time. He said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. Now that, that got me. Because like in in my generation, you're brought up, you're just like, you don't ever swear, right? You don't swear because you are not God, Right? But how great is it that God can swear? And he's like, I swear by myself, Abraham. Like, that is is baller, right? That is is amazing that God is swearing by himself of what he's going to do for Abraham. He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you because you have obeyed me. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Not it might be provided, but it will be provided. So it's really important that you're in the right place, right? You have to be where God intended for you to be. It's like a timing route in football. The quarterback is throwing to where you are supposed to be. And if you are not there on time, then it could get intercepted. Abraham was at the right place and he was there at the right time. And God had provided a substitute so that his son might not have to perish. And then he calls the mountain the Lord provided. And then the saying was developed on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So what if I told you that Through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob has 12 tribes. One of the tribes is Judah. That 14 generations from Abraham comes King David. 
And then 14 generations from King David through that same family line comes Jesus. What if I told you that they built the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which is Moriah, on the place where Abraham offered Isaac? What if I told you that 700 meters from the temple is where Christ was crucified at Moriah? What if I told you that God was painting a picture 2,000 years ahead of time on this mountain, it will be provided. And then at the cross, it was provided that God walked his son up that hill and the same wood was placed upon his back. But when they got to the top of Calvary, there was no substitute for the Savior. The Savior was the substitute for the sinners. This morning I'm telling you that what you needed, what I needed as sinners far from God was provided at that mountain. And this morning, what you need to be made whole, what you need to be made right, what you need to be made new or clean, it was provided on that mountain. And that God said, instead of you dying, and perishing apart from the grace of God. I'll make a way. I'll make a way. And this morning, I trust that many of us have found that what God provided on that mountain called Calvary, boy, it was enough to save us. It was enough to heal us. And if you're sitting in this room today, I hope that you would, as an unbeliever, as a skeptic, listen to this story and ask yourself, how crazy of a coincidence must it be that you could pick any mountain range in the world and call it out ahead of time, paint the picture of a father offering his son as a sacrifice, and then you would complete that picture 2,000 years later in the same place. At some juncture, it can't be coincidence. It has to be divine design. And so I'd ask you to consider today that God did not withhold. How do you know? He said to Abraham, now I know because you have not withheld. So how do you know that God loves you? Because he did not withhold his only begotten son. That must command our affection. That must stir within us a passion to pursue after God's best for us. I want to encourage you today. We all have a mountain to climb, and I hope that you're on the right mountain. If not, I would encourage you to descend, to get direction, and then find out where God is leading you, and that you walk long enough, and that you trust enough that whatever he asks of you, whatever he asks of you, you say, God, here I am, and that you'd be willing to give it. And what's crazy is, that Abraham, through his sacrifice, right, through his son, through his trusting, gets to ultimately provide the means through which God appropriates salvation to the entire world. So you could say that Abraham had a part in your salvation when you believed because he trusted God on the mountain. Isn't it crazy how if we would learn to walk with God that we could give, we could serve, we could share in such a way that we affect other people's eternity? That's why we do church. That's what church is all about. So that someone like you, someone like me could walk in and hear a message 
that God loves me enough to give his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but has eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you would help us to believe that it's already in the mail. It's already on the way. That before we were ever born, you had a plan for our lives. You had a promise for our lives. And that if we hold on long enough, God, oh my gosh, it's already there. It's already provided. God, I ask today for anyone that is struggling, that they're having a hard time, God, this morning letting go. As a matter of fact, just the concept of hearing, letting go, they immediately clench up, they immediately stiffen up, and they're like, no, they're resistant. God, I pray, I pray for the angry person in here today that they might ask themselves, why are you so angry? I pray for the defeated person in here today that you would ask yourself, why do you feel so defeated? I pray for the bitter person in here. Why are you so bitter? If you have Jesus, don't you have forgiveness? If you have Jesus, don't you have life? If you have Jesus, don't you have hope? If you have Jesus, don't you have mercy? Quit making excuses why you are the way you are. It is a choice. How you feel this morning, it is a choice. If you would let go and let God, he would replace you on the altar for the ram caught in the thicket. And I promise you that if you would receive what he has already provided for you, it would change you from the inside out. God, we ask these things in your name. And the church said, amen. Would you stand and worship with us?